And I'm Lauren. And you're listening to Pearls and Pages. Hi, and welcome to episode 7, our Valentine's Day episode. We might get a little racy today, guys, so uh, if young kids are listening, parental guidance suggested. Yes, yes. Who knows what sort of things you might hear. Uh, So shall we start off by talking about what we are currently working on and reading? Yeah. Uh, So what are you working on, Amber? I am still working on the Hieroglyph Socks by Heather Lee Walker. I had to rip those out a couple times because they were too tight. Um, And then when I went up a needle size, I think the ribbing was too tight, so I had to rip them out and go back to the original needle size for the ribbing. And then I just have to remember to go up a needle size once I start on the leg. Uh, And then I am still uh, in the midst of preparations for my Jess sweater by Amy Miller. I had made some pretty good progress on it, but then there was some confusion as to whether or not I was knitting the right size, because as we previously discussed, I don't understand how math works, (laughs) and it might end up being too big. So I finally just was like, enough of this nonsense, and I sent an email to the designer and was like, here are my measurements, here is my gauge, what size should I be knitting? (laughs) So hopefully she will get back to me, and hopefully I am knitting the right size, and so I don't have to rip out what I have so far. But I'm just on the, the ribbing for the body, so at least I haven't made too much progress. Sure. And that's what I'm working on. What are you working on? Uh, so I'm still working on the Tacoma sweater. I'm still on the first sleeve. I'm also working on uh, some socks for Richard. Uh, I think I'm going to be casting on the Ook socks uh, from When Granny Weatherwax uh, Knits Socks. Now, are these the second ones that you're knitting from this book? Because you yes. didn't knit the Mort ones a while back. I knit back, the Mort right? ones a while back, yeah. Um, and he loves my cozy wool socks that I make him because his feet are always cold. Mm-hmm. So for Valentine's Day, I'm going to make him those in Madeline Tosh sock in Modern Fair Isle. And that you got at Rhinebeck. Yes, I did. Recent year, right? Yep. Um, also... S- Working on oh, I, I started a new cross stitch project because I Which couldn't you're sleep last currently night. Currently working on right now. <laughs> I am currently working on. It says uh, it's a, it's almost like a sampler. It says not today, Satan, not today. And I bought <laughs> the pattern off Etsy, and it's got all these like it's all these lovely flowers surrounding the saying, and it's uh, the saying is from my favorite drag queen Bianca Del Rio. <laughs> <laughs> I, I watch a lot of RuPaul's Drag Race, <laughs> and she just comes out and goes, not today, Satan, not today, and I'm nowhere near as amazing as she is, but it's one of those sayings that I want to hang up by, like, by my front entranceway to remind me not to, you know, blow up. <laughs> that, that's good. That's a good thing to be reminded of, yeah. although I feel like I need that reminder a lot off- more often than you do. You're oh, pretty, yeah. You're pretty even-tempered. I'm not so much. Um... <laughs> Anyway, so um, anything else you're working on? Are you still working on the socks for Richard's grandmother, or did you finish those? Uh, I'm almost done with the first one. I'm still doing the diagonal lace socks in ginseng, which is also a Madeline Tosh sock. As has been established, both Lauren and I are really very like... devoted fans of Madeline Tosh. So yeah. I'm almost always knitting something in Madeline Tosh yarn. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's what I'm working on. Um... I'm finally on the new Juliet Merlier book. Yay! <laughs> like six months later. I know. I started it today at the gym, Den of Wolves by Juliet Merlier. And uh, this is my first time rereading Tower of Thorns. And I finished that today. And the first book's definitely better. 
Yeah, I think the first book is the best of the three. I think book three was better than book two, but book one, I think, is definitely the best. Yeah, I mean, in book two, I could only read about them eating breakfast so many times before it got frustrating. Well, I feel like the action just doesn't start as quickly in book two as it does in in the other books. Yeah, I mean, it's much more a mystery in the other books, whereas this one's just kind of frustrating, mm-hmm. where they're not really doing a lot. And I get that they get blocked from doing a lot and lies and whatnot, but I just feel like, I don't know. Um, Blackthorn was smarter in the first book. <laughs> and I guess she gets blinded by certain things. I don't know. I kind of get it, but I also kind of found it frustrating how slow it moved. Um, but I enjoyed it enough to, to still finish rereading it and start on the third one. So Okay, so you just you started the third one today? Yep, I'm only like, I'm on chapter two or three. Okay, well I'm eager to, to hear what you think of it once you finish it. Yeah, I'm eager to finish reading it. <laughs> uh, how about you? What are you reading? Um, so in terms of audiobooks, I just two days ago, I think, finished listening to Harriet Books, I'm sorry, Harriet Wolf's Seventh Book of Wonders by Juliana Baggett, which I really loved. It was a very good book. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't want to say, well, wasn't really able to say too much about it when I talked about it before because I had just started it. I mean, I don't want to give too much away, but as I as I briefly mentioned, there are the four different uh, viewpoints, and I think all four narrators were very, very good. So if anyone is interested in listening to audiobook, I definitely recommend it. All of the narrators were fantastic, and it's, it's a really great story. You know, it jumps around in time quite a bit, um, and I mean, it's mostly focused on sort of uncovering this whole mystery about Harriet Wolf and what happened to the missing seventh book and then we find out that the the missing seventh book is not a novel like her other books but is really telling her life story that she was never able to tell her daughter so it's very much a story about mothers and daughters and those relationships and the secrets that we have to keep to protect the people that we love and it, it was just it was an excellent book and I um, just started listening to The Shadowy Horses by Susanna Kearsley I'm a big fan of hers. I've read or listened to, I think, four of her other books, and I've really enjoyed them all. So, And so far, this one is no exception. This one is about a team of archaeologists working to uncover the uh, lost uh, Roman Ninth Legion. Ooh! Yeah, so it's pretty good so far. And it takes place in Scotland, so we get to hear lovely Scottish voices narrating things, which I always enjoy. And it has a uh, very uh, sexy love interest, so that always makes me happy. And I guess I'm sort of on an archaeology kick because I'm still reading The Visitors by Sally Bowman, which, as I previously mentioned, is about the um, Howard Carter's discovery of King Tut's tomb in, the, in 1922. So, yeah, I'm sort of... I'm noticing a pattern in the things <laughs> that I am reading. So you just reminded me of uh, Jim Butcher's Codex Alera series. It's uh, a fantasy series about what could have happened to the Lost Roman Legion combined with Pokemon. What? <laughs> and it sounds really bizarre, but it's actually a really good series. Like actually about Pokemon? No, no, or... not actual Pokemon, because okay. that would be copyright infringement, <laughs> okay. Amber. <laughs> Absolute copyright infringement. Well, no, maybe it's they like wrote it together. I don't know. No, honey, <laughs> that's not how that works. Um, so yeah, it's like 
it's inspired by the Lost Roman Legion and Pokemon mixed together. And uh, I think like the background story of it was that Jim Butcher was at a role-playing game and someone gave him this ridiculous concept for a book and he's like, fuck you, I'm going to write it. (laughs) (laughs) And he did. And it was good. Alright, I may have to check that one out. I've uh, I've always been meaning to read some of Jim Butcher. Is it the Dresden Files that's narrated by... um, James Marsters. Thank you, yes. Hell yeah it is. I definitely want to listen to it if just for that reason. Yes. But I mean, James Marsters is American, so he does not have Spike's accent. There were no British characters in the book at all? There is a British character in the book. I mean, he's not British, but he's got that kind of accent. A little more posh than Spike, though. Okay. Well, I'll just have to settle for that. Yeah. Or just rewatch Buffy for the millionth time. Or both, because you should really read the Dresden Files. <laughs> hey, anyone listening, go read the Dresden Files. <laughs> um, so, as this is our Valentine's Day episode, or as I prefer, Galentine's Day, because... You're single. For people who are not in relationships, you can still celebrate the ones you love. You should call it Palentine's Day, because oh, you're... Uh, Palentine's Day. I like your... that. Um, anyway, so since this is our Valentine's Day episode, do you want to give us a little background on the history of Valentine's Day, Lauren? I absolutely do. Uh, so Valentine's Day was initially the Roman feast of Lupercalia, very much like a fertility rite. Uh, the name Valentine even leads back to the Romans as Emperor Claudius II executed two men on separate February the 14th in the 3rd century, and they were both named Valentine. Uh, These men were eventually honored by the Catholic Church with St. Valentine's Day because they were martyrs. And eventually uh, one of the popes combined Lupercalia and St. Valentine's Day uh, to make it easier to convert pagans over to Christianity. As they did with many holidays. Yes. So that's very like a a Cliff Notes version of the origins of Valentine's Day. Uh, Today it's very much a booming Hallmark holiday. People put a lot of importance on the day. Like I've seen friends break up because someone didn't buy them flowers on Valentine's Day, (laughs) which is just dumb. So next time you're upset with your significant other because they didn't get you the right box of chocolates, remember that you're really celebrating a Roman fertility holiday. Yes. (laughs) Um, he could be whipping you instead. Yeah. <laughs> I might be into that. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, so like people, you know, it's it's very much a monetary holiday now. You know, people are buying candy and cards and flowers and fancy dinners. And I don't know, I care a lot less about it now that I have a partner. <laughs> to be honest, I never was that big into Valentine's Day. I mean, it was fun as a kid when everybody would send Valentine's to the class and you get to eat lots of candy. But yeah. as a romantic holiday, I always just thought it was kind of silly and mushy. And... Uh, in high school, I remember caring so much about Valentine's Day. Because my school did this thing where for a dollar, you could send a carnation and a note to someone. Aww. And emo Lauren, emo teenage Lauren, sent so many love poems to so many crushes. Did you write the poems yourself? Yeah, of course I did. Oh boy. Yeah, they were pretty bad. And I tried to like disguise my handwriting and send it your secret admirer. And that's a really great way to get to a teenage boy's heart, right guys? <laughs> it totally <laughs> works. Always. Yep. <laughs> uh but you know now that you know i've been with richard for almost eight years um i don't know it doesn't feel like a big deal like i kind of made a big deal out of it like the first year or two maybe um and we still mark the day you know i always knit him a pair of socks because his feet are always cold it's been like a tradition um 
you know, we'll do dinner at home or we'll order in and we'll snuggle up in bed and watch a movie. Uh, but I don't want to go out on Valentine's Day because there's a lot of people out there and people are not nice. I, I agree. <laughs> No, I, I, for a while, had a thing where I would go see a movie with one of my girlfriends on Valentine's Day. Mm -hmm. um, so I plan to be at home watching a very violent slasher movie. That's I like how, it. That's how I'm going to celebrate. <laughs> I like it. I like slasher movies. <laughs> um, so I guess now is a good time to segue into uh, what we consider some of the most romantic books and our literary crushes. <laughs> My romantic books list is short because I don't read a lot of romance. Well, it doesn't have to be strictly in the romance genre, but any book that has a, a relationship that you would consider romantic. Okay. Um, and by the way, I'll just uh, just throw this out here. I, I have a sneaking suspicion that a lot of the literary crushes that Lauren and I are about to mention are ones we have in common. So there's probably going to be a lot of overlap. Yeah. I also, I had so many literary crushes. I made myself narrow it down to the top five and I ranked them. <laughs> okay. I did not rank mine, but I do know what my number one is. <laughs> um, so do you want to start us off? Oh, uh, sure. So my top five literary crushes uh, in order from five to one is Mr. Rochester, number five from Jane Eyre by Charlotte Bronte. He is on my list. <clears throat> I, um, I love Mr. Rochester. I don't know that I would ever want a full-blown relationship with that moody, moody man, but I feel like we'd have really good angry makeout sessions. <laughs> Well, and one of the reasons that I think that is one of the, that's my, like, all-time most romantic book. And the reason that I think that is because I just, I feel like they really, really knew each other. And they really accepted one another. All their faults. For who they were. Yeah. All, all of their faults. Um, you know, in so many other romantic stories, it's like, you know, the most beautiful girl in the world falls in love with the most beautiful man in the world. And, you know, they were both considered sort of plain looking and... You know, she was sort of an outcast in her way, and he was sort of an outcast in his way. Yeah, the only reason but... Rochester was ever considered handsome was because of his money. Exactly. <laughs> and and in this case, it was, you know, it was a meeting of the minds, or a meeting of the souls, if you believe in that. It's, you know, they they really loved each other on a deeper level, and that's why I think that's one of the, the greatest literary relationships of all time. Okay. So who else is on your list? <laughs> so number four is James Frazier from the Outlander series by Diana Gabaldon, and I know this one's on yours too. Definitely. I'm obsessed with those books and the show, and I think both the literary version and the live-action version are super, super attractive uh, <laughs> to yes. the point where I can actually know the book that I just bought and plan to read. It's called Finding Frazier. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's by Casey Dyer, and it is a story about a woman who is equally obsessed with those books and can't make a real-life relationship work because no man can live up to James Fraser. So she kind of abandons her life and goes off to Scotland in search of the real thing. This is what fan fiction is for, guys. <laughs> So I yeah plan to read this book and hopefully it's enjoyable. Yeah, I uh, I I really love Jamie. Uh, I don't know how I feel about his. You know, to us it's a very outdated uh, mind frame about how wives should act because he does spank her for not listening at one point. Yes, but I feel like he sort of comes to ch to change a little bit once he sort of understands 
that she's coming from a different place and yeah yeah she absolutely does i feel like they they eventually come to have more of a partnership and i really like the dynamic which you don't see often in books of the older woman with the virginal man mm-hmm. um normally it's an older man and this tiny virgin woman and nope this is jamie is a virgin all he's ever done is you know awkward petting in the hallways and <laughs> like a high school kid and claire I, I just love the scene where he's like I didn't know you could do it facing each other. <laughs> I thought you, I did, thought it you did it from like, behind like horses. I mean, you can. You can, and she shows him that. But <laughs> <laughs> I just think it's so funny that he's just like in awe of the things they can do together. Um, I will say they have a very tempestuous relationship. There's a lot of fighting and making up. And while it makes for great reading, I don't know that I would want to have that sort of relationship in real life. There's a lot of drama. Yes, there's a lot of drama in their life. But it does make for some good reading. Yes, it does. Um, So who's your number three? Number three is actually Tyrion Lannister from Game of Thrones. Oh, God, yes. (laughs) (laughs) And I just, he's so intelligent and so witty. And I just... Yeah, even after he gets all scarred and stuff after the, Just makes him the battle, sexier. Uh, yep, I would, I would, I would do Tyrion in a heartbeat, especially Peter Dinklage from oh, the show. Oh God, yes, yes, Peter Dinklage. Such um, a thing for Peter Dinklage. Ooh, is it getting warm in here? Is it just me? <laughs> um, no, I love. He's got this sort of cockiness to him, mm-hmm. which I love. He's, you know, he's very confident and very knows how to work things. Yeah, you know, despite, you know, being made a mockery of almost constantly by his own family, he still, you know... I feel like he almost uses that to his advantage because he realizes that people underestimate him. Yes, he uses that and really makes something... I I love Tyrion. He's awesome. My favorite character in Game of Thrones. Oh, mine too, absolutely. If he ever dies, I'll cry. I will probably throw something at the television. Yeah. Or the book. I'll probably throw the book if it ever comes out. I think we can agree that the TV show is probably going to finish before the book because yeah, he's never going to get around to writing. But Martin actually said he's watching people's reactions to the show now that they've surpassed the books and he might change things in the books. Oh god, I swear. If he kills off Tyrion, I will I will do something very drastic. I know, my favorite characters always die. Um, so my number two, this is where we're finally going to divulge from each other's lists. Divulge? Diverge. Diverge. <laughs> so my number two, this is where we our lists finally diverge, is uh, Tybalt, the King of Cats, from the October Day series by Seanan McGuire. Wait, so he's a cat? No, no, no. He is a fae. He's, he's a fairy. Okay. Uh, not not really a fairy and he would hate to be called that but he is part of the fey world um he can turn into a cat um he's part of the fey that the cats sip so they are part of the fey that can turn into cats but he's not always a cat okay i'm just making sure you don't have like a thing for bestiality that i should be concerned about no okay no um but tybalt is very suave and very debonair and very caring and loving of october and he's also the Tybalt that Tybalt, the Prince of Cats in Shakespeare, is named after, which is canon in the book. Because <laughs> the Fae live, you know, forever unless something kills them, specifically. Okay. Um, and I love that tidbit of, like, and he quotes Shakespeare all the time. <laughs> oh, a guy who can quote the Bard is definitely sexy. Yeah. Oh, well, he inspired the Bard, so <laughs> it's oh, pretty great. Oh, <laughs> I see. Um, and my number one 
literary crush. I think I know who it is, because is... I think he's my number one, too. No. No, really? my no? number one literary crush, I did not include who you're thinking, is Harry Dresden from The Dresden Files by Jim Butcher. Wow, I'm really surprised. Yeah. That's not what I thought you were going to no, say No, I know. Um, but Harry Dresden, okay, so The Dresden Files is like 15 books are out now. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's going to be 20 books and then a three book, uh, like apocalyptic conclusion. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what I've heard anyway. I don't, don't quote me on that. Um, but it's one of my favorite all-time series. I have read it many, many times. I have the ebooks. I have the audiobooks. I love Jim Butcher. And James Marsters narrates the books. And he's phenomenal. As we've already discussed. <laughs> yeah. And Harry is a wizard. And he starts out at the beginning of the series working as a private eye in Chicago. And things are very different by book 15. And he's grown so much as a character and as a man and even as a father. And I just, I love him. <laughs> he's he's tall and dark and handsome and scarred and i just want to he's seen so much messed up stuff i just want to hold him (laughs) (laughs) richard don't listen to this episode (laughs) it's okay at least all of your obsessions are you know fictional yeah yeah uh so i did not rank mine um the way that lauren did but i do know who my number one is so i'll save the best for last Uh, (laughs) so lauren already mentioned uh, most of the ones that are on my list um so in no particular order some of the others include i'm probably not going to pronounce his name correctly because i never listened to the audiobook uh vidinrich chevraith He's one of the main characters in the Crown Duel books by Sherwood Smith. And I, well, yeah, they're on your bookshelf, Lauren. Um, but I love his character. I love the relationship that develops between him and Meliara. You know, they start off where he's sort of, I mean, not to give too much away, but he's a good guy, but has to sort of pretend to be a bad guy so that he can get information and work things behind the scenes. So when they first meet, you know, she does not have a good impression of him at all. <laughs> In fact, he like holds her captive. <laughs> it's like, it's a whole thing. Um, and then eventually once all of the misunderstandings have sort of been corrected, um, they end up having to spend a great deal of time together. And despite you know, seeing that he's not really as bad as he previously seemed, she just can't get rid of these preconceived notions of him. And he'll try to do nice things for her, and she'll find some way to interpret it as him being a snob or trying to put her down. And so he ends up having to woo her through letters. He basically writes her these letters from a secret admirer, and she has no idea who they're from. And, like, that's the only way that he can talk to her. And I just think that that's so great. It's it's almost sort of a um, Cyrano de Bergerac kind of thing. Um, but yes, and when they do eventually get together, it's pretty epic. <laughs> um, so another one would be uh, the character of Emerson in the Amelia Peabody series by Elizabeth Peters. Uh, he is, <laughs> I love that he's described as irascible, which I think is the most accurate way to describe him. He's an an Egyptologist, and he's always getting into fights. You know, he thinks that his way is the best way, and that everyone else is an idiot. 
and he just gets so angry and red in the face and it always seems to happen where he's you know been, been out and about and gotten angry and then he's coming home to change and he's just like ripping off his shirt and buttons are just flying everywhere because he's just so outraged <laughs> um so yeah he's a really great character and the the relationship between him and amelia is wonderful because they both challenge each other and frustrate each other but they support each other and, and definitely have a very loving relationship which is is nice to see uh, it, you know the book takes place in the uh, late 1800s uh, at a time when it was not common for husbands and wives to have that sort of um, relationship of equals so it's really nice that that it's presented in that way uh, another one on my list is Wesley from The Princess Bride, which in addition to being one of my favorite books is definitely my all-time favorite movie. Um, if uh, none of you have read the book and you are a fan of the movie, definitely read the book. It's, I don't even know, I don't, even, I don't even have words. <laughs> I mean, it's everything you love about the movie and more. Yeah. It's just fantastic. Um, so def definitely read that. Um, and I guess that brings me to my number one. Um, oh, wait. Crap. I forgot. I was going to say something more about Wesley. Oh, okay. Go ahead. Rewind. Um, so definitely, if you haven't read it, read the book. Um, I don't even know that I really need to go into detail as to why I love Wesley so much. I mean, first of all, he's a pirate. And come on, what is sexier than a pirate? I would argue <laughs> that he is a farm boy. Okay, he started off as a farm boy, but by the time we get to the real action of the story, he is a pirate. Okay. Um, I mean, he's crazy smart. You know, he won the Battle of Wits. He's crazy strong. He bested a giant. He is excellent with a sword. He beat Inigo Montoya. You know, what can't this man do? And Say he does it Inigo's all name again. Inigo Montoya. Inigo. Sometimes he pronounces it Inigo. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. Fine. He bested Inigo Montoya with the sword. What can't this man do? Uh, and he does it all in the name of love. And really, what's hotter than that? Love. Love is what brings us together today. Okay, now we're going to be sued for copyright infringement. Um, <laughs> moving on uh, to my number one, which I'm really, really surprised that this was not Lauren's number one, and not even on her list at all. I'm really surprised I forgot about him. <laughs> How could you forget about Mr. Darcy? I don't know. He's in my top Mr. ten. Mr. Darcy! He's in my top ten. Oh, is there a greater love story than that of Pride and Prejudice? I mean, it has everything. And he is everything. I don't know. It doesn't have pirates. It doesn't have pirates. <laughs> but, I mean, Wickham is sort of sort of a rogue. He sort of fills that that pirate role. Um, you know, Wickham is a rogue. He, he sort of fills that role. Um, but anyway, if, if there is a person listening to this show show podcast we're not a show are we a show what should i call us podcast episode stop me anytime <laughs> i'm having a lot of fun listening to you crash and burn right now <laughs> <clears throat> 
So if there is a person listening to this episode who has not read Pride and Prejudice, shame on you. You must go and buy yourself a copy immediately and read it because it is one of the greatest books of all time. Um, if not, I think Amber might show up at your house and throw it at your head. I, I might. I might. I, I don't know how I will find you, but I will find you. Um, <laughs> I read this book actually for the first time in seventh grade, and I've probably read it 1100 times since then. <laughs> um, it's just such a great story. It's, you know, that classic tale of boy meets girl boy and girl loathe one another and then over time grow to respect and admire one another and then eventually fall in love and there's the classic misunderstandings um you know Elizabeth thinks that Darcy has done all of these terrible things because of what the very charming liar Wickham tells her and it isn't until he writes her a letter that seems to be a theme with me I like stories where the guy has to explain himself in a letter um, anyway, he writes this letter and explains his side of the story and basically tells her that Wickham is, is awful and has been deceiving everyone this whole time. And, and doesn't Darcy actually save her sister, too? Yes, yes. Um, so the, the reason that Darcy and Wickham are no longer friends, uh, they, they grew up together. The reason that they're no longer friends, of course, is because Wickham tried to make it with Darcy's younger sister to steal her fortune. And uh, that would have, you know, ruined her and made her a fallen woman. And, um, you know, Darcy was able to save her. And then, you know, I, I never really understood why. I mean, I guess I do understand why. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take that back. Um, so then later in the book that I just hit the, what's this thing called again? Pop filter? I hit yeah. the pop filter. Um, so later in the book... Wickham runs off with Elizabeth's younger sister. Um, You know, she's a very sort of flighty character who, you know, doesn't really have much of a sense of how her behavior is perceived and how her behavior will affect the standing of her family. So they run off together and he has no intention of marrying her. That's pretty obvious. You know, he just wants to get it and get gone and Darcy steps in and forces them to get married. You know, he pays for everything and buys Wickham a commission and sort of saves um, Elizabeth's sister's reputation. And then that's when she really realizes how much he truly loves her. Uh, so, yeah, he's a sexy beast. And I would do all sorts of things to Mr. Darcy, especially the Colin, Colin Firth version of Mr. Darcy with that completely unnecessary scene of him walking out of the pond in his dripping wet white shirt that's clinging to him in all the right places. And Colin's first wife, Colin Firth's wife has actually come out and said that that scene does nothing for her. And I just, I think she's made what? of stone. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I don't. I guess she does have Colin Firth, so. I guess, you know, maybe she's just, you know, seen so much better stuff. Uh, I'm getting off track. So, uh, so those are my literary crushes. Uh, now shall we segue into talking about um, knitted gifts for Valentine's Day? Sure. Um, my list is woefully short. I normally knit Richard socks. One mm-hmm. year I knit him fingerless gloves. That was the first year we were together. My one pattern suggestion is the heart pattern of Nitty's 2008 Winter Zine by Kristen Leggett. It is a anatomically correct knitted heart. 
It's super cute. It is super cute, and I just think that, especially if you have someone, like, kind of sciencey in your life, or it's who a, likes horror. It's a great nerdy or, gift. It is a really great nerdy gift. We're like, here, have my heart. <laughs> and I think it's, it's good for, you know, if your loved one happens to be a man who might not be as into the you know, mushy hearts and candy kind of stuff. Yeah. It's just a little more... So I did once knit a heart-shaped pillow for uh, a partner, and it was really more... I, I was just learning how to knit. It was a purple amorphous blob. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think this would, something like this would probably go over a little bit better. Yeah. I know he, he cherished that amorphous blob. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, yeah. uh, so I uh, also had the heart pattern by Chris and Legit on my list. Uh, some other ones. Uh, another one that's good for a men or women is the Heart Cup Cozy. And that is by, probably not going to pronounce your name correctly, Chi Wei Rank. Uh, it is a free crochet pattern on Ravelry. And it's, you know, a little cozy to put on your coffee cup. Oh, that's cute. Yeah, so I figured that that was something that's not... It's not too mushy, and it's actually something that's practical and useful as well. And I suppose if you didn't want to put a heart on it, you could put something else on it as well. But... A dinosaur. <laughs> Dinosaurs, to me, say Valentine's Day. <laughs> Roar means I love you in dinosaur. You could have a dinosaur, like, eating a heart. That would yes. be so romantic. <laughs> it would. But it has to be an anatomically correct one. Yes, it does. People all over are going to start modifying this pattern. <laughs> um, and then one that's uh, good to maybe give to, you know, if you're giving a Valentine's Day gift to, you know, one of your female friends or your mom or something like that is, uh, it's also called Heart. And it's by Anna Nikapirowitz. Uh, it's another crochet pattern that's free on Ravelry. Um, you can felt it or not felt it. Um, it's a really good use of scrap yarn, and it's just like a little, it's kind of like layers of hearts um, that you can turn into a pin, like to pin on your sweater or keep your shawl closed. You can turn it into a hairbread. I've seen some people use it as a ring. You know, it's just kind of a fun little That sounds super cute. Thing. It's very cute. Um, another one that's good for, you know, if you're giving a gift to a girlfriend or mom maybe, or even they have kids' sizes, um, it's the Heart Warmers pattern by Lauren Riker, and it comes with um, leg warmers or uh, mitts, and it's adult and child sizes, and they just have cabled hearts on them. Very cute. You know, nothing says love to me more than keeping your loved one warm. And of course, there are thousands upon thousands of sock patterns featuring hearts. Uh, I'm yeah. not, not going to go into listing them because there are so many. Uh, and going to get a little bit racy now. Now, one way you could perhaps uh, give a gift to your loved one is by knitting some lingerie and wearing it for them. I know that sounds a little odd, like knitted lingerie, but it doesn't necessarily have to be wool. It could be a... Silk. Yeah, it could be silk, like a sexy, sexy material. Uh, so one is, that I found was the Lace Edged Camisole by Jenny Atkinson. Uh, that's a very, very pretty one, and oh, I can't remember the name of the book, but it's it now. I think it's called Knitted Romance, and all of the patterns are sort of vintage-inspired, have a very feminine, sort of romantic look to them. Um, speaking of vintage knitting, Susan Crawford, the queen of vintage knitting, has a number of 
uh, lingerie patterns. Um, she has the seamed stockings, which are lacy thigh highs, very sexy. Uh, and then she has uh, two, uh, they're sort of like bodysuits, like a camisole and short combo, but I think they're sexy. Um, one is called Knit These Slimline Undies, and the other one is called Dark Red Pretties. Ooh. <laughs> um, another pattern that I found uh, is by Andrea Wrangle. It's called Issa's Bloomers, and they're sort of like shorty shorts with a little lace on the bottom and ribbons. Very cute, very pretty, very feminine. Uh, another pattern by her is Parisian Delight. And those are sort of bloomers too, but those are more knee length. Again, they have lace at the bottom. Um, so those were the ones that I found. Um, when I was typing in knitted lingerie into Ravelry, I found some very interesting things. Um, there are some thongs, some banana hammocks, some knitted bras. I don't know that I would want to wear a knitted bra, but if that's your thing, go for it. There's all kinds of patterns out there on Ravelry. My favorite thing <laughs> that you find on Ravelry when you type in lingerie into the patterns <laughs> is the knitted thong made out of uh, like licorice string. So it's edible. What? Like the red cherry licorice. <laughs> I can't imagine trying to knit with licorice. Well, it's the string stuff, so it's kind of like really Still. thick, sticky yarn oh that's my God. flavored. That's hysterical. Yep. <laughs> yeah, so there's a great gift idea for someone in your life. Knit, knit edible underwear. There you go. You, you heard it <laughs> straight here from us. <laughs> um. So thanks for listening, guys, and happy Valentine's Day. Happy Valentine's Day. Thanks, Thanks for, for listening. listening.